This is the Music Student Podcast. On the show today, it's the last in the series and the podders are joined by composer James Oldham and head of composition Joe Cutler to try and solve Owen's issues with contemporary music. Also, a love story in Lara Corner and our final goodbye. Welcome to the Music Student Podcast. My name is Caleb Hornsby. I'm here with Owen Wallage. Hello, everyone. You all right? Yeah. Excellent. Jay Hall over there. Hello. All right? Yeah. And our guest today is James Oldham. <laughs> Welcome, James. Uh, James is a fourth-year composer, um, and today we're going to be talking all about contemporary music and how some people might struggle to understand it uh, and... More, more so than sort of a more traditional piece of music. Obviously, the three of us here are from brass bands, a very traditional uh, style of music, sort of stuck in its ways, not really pushing forward. Um, I don't think that's quite true, Caleb. Really? Yeah. Okay, go on. Well, brass bands aren't stuck in the ways. Like, when Gilbert Vinter wrote Spectrum in the 60s and 70s, brass bands were just like this isn't right, they're wrong notes, they weren't used to the harmonies. That's what I mean, so they, they're just not accepting at all. So, but now that's accepted, now that we've played it today, it's fine, it sounds fine. So you think, alright, oh, okay. So it's not stuck in its ways at all, there's lots of new compositions for brass band. Yeah, but do you not feel as though the, the, pal- the, kind of the old boys in banding reject it quite um, as? Because a lot of the... Not so much now. Not so much well, all, at the end of the day, most of the new pieces are written for test pieces, so whether they like it or not, they have to play it. Yeah. But that's that's a different thing then, isn't it? Whereas just contemporary music that's written doesn't have to be played. It's nice if it is, but a composition of James's doesn't have to be played. No one is forced to... Well, I don't know. James might try for some people. Yeah. What's the point of writing if it's not played? Exactly. But it's not forced. It's not something set that people have to go through. That's what a test piece is. So putting contemporary music just over that doesn't... It's not quite the same thing. Right, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get on to we'll get on to stuff like in the weird stuff. Right, okay. Well, that's it's not like we're playing the not, same music as hundred years ago. No, well, we are. We're still playing test pieces written in 1912, aren't we? Yeah. But and I think the difference is as well is I mean it's something Ian Porter said when College Band played things like Spectrum is when Spectrum was written, it, it and it wasn't accepted then. You're talking it was 30 years after Stravinsky had already written. You know things that in the orchestra were people going, oh my god, and all this kind of thing. It was completely different, and brass bands were at like about fifty years behind, and it's probably possibly still the case. I mean, there's some great brass band composers now writing more, um, more modern works and more ethereal kind of things, but they're not played as often, and they don't just appear on concert programmes. Right, we, we we've you got. You never said anything. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got time to discuss this further, so we'll 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 speak to James now. Um, You've brought along. We're going we're to play one of your pieces, uh, Playford's Master Tunes. Um, just tell us a bit. Obviously, we, we're not composers at all. Um, Owen is a bit of a ranging. But what 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 do you like to write about? What's your style of writing? Um, my style of writing. Um, I suppose it, it kind of uh, it kind of stems from just um, just sort of being into like everything musically, like. Um, that, that there's not there's not really any single sort of style or genre of music that I don't like just on its own for what it is. Um, so so I sort of like to take uh, whatever whatever it might be from from anything that I could listen to. 
that, that I like about it and sort of try and bring that into my own music. Um, and then, like, I mean, stylistically, what, what it becomes is something that's, um, is, you know, generally, generally quite tonal um, with a lot of kind of, um, a lot of kind of rapid modulations and stuff. Uh, so it, it so it, you know it doesn't just sound sort of you know classical or something, but um, then with kind of you know often quite I don't know maybe adventurous sort of orchestrating on it, um, lots of lots of sort of added notes as well to the to the harmony, but just sort of just to tweak it a bit, give mm-hmm. that a bit of flavour. Um, and then I like to bring in a lot of kind of um, humour to my music as as much as I can. That's one thing that certainly comes out in the piece I played in Enoch. Yeah. Um, with the, the flying machine at the back yeah, of, the, yeah, yeah. of the hall, and the the actor on there was playing quite a humorous role. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you find anything um, in in your part? Because of course you played in it. Yeah. Um, Did you find anything in your part that was kind of um, maybe maybe like? that you could see it sort of hu- humorous writing or was it just an um, awkward part or like it wasn't awkward it was okay. it was quite exposed yeah. which is rare for the tuba yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lovely tune in it mm. um, sort of before the the end sort of towards the middle oh, the yeah, end yeah. of the middle bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that, that was a lovely really nice tune uh, which obviously we, we, we don't really find in it was almost Disney inspired that tune <laughs> wow there we are. Um, Beautifully played. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, but like you'll you'll know we never get if we do get a tune in an orchestral yeah. piece, it's it's normally quite a, a loud kind of. It's rarely that was almost like a euphonium solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's we're not really used to. It. So that was that was kind of a bit a bit it's different got, for yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, if you if you do if you do sort of take the tuber up there to have a tune, it's gonna as, as beautiful as it could ever sound it, it, it will always have that kind of um, slight sort of unstable quality to it like you, you're never quite sure if it's going to you know <laughs> 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 definitely <laughs> wasn't stable <laughs> but, you, but you, know, you, know, you know how if like a, uh, like if a trombone or euphonium was, was playing the same line yeah. in the same register it, it would kind of because it, it would be more in its comfort zone of the, mm. the instrument whereas of course you know you guys have no problem playing there but um yeah. It's kind of it's not it's not because it's not so usual for the instrument to play there. Yeah, in general, it's quite a comical yeah. instrument as well. Just in general, I find the tuba. It's always I mean, in, in cartoons and in it is used <laughs> as a comical reputation. Yeah, it's so do most brass instruments probably yeah. on the trombone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we're all very serious musicians, really. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, right, so. We'll, we'll now play James. Well, you can tell us about this other piece as well, the Playford's Master Tunes. Yep. Um, I've listened to it, the other two haven't, so they'll hear it in a minute and they can say something if they want to afterwards. Uh, so, what was kind of either the inspiration or what was the idea behind this piece? This was um, it's, uh, based on um, some, uh, some tunes from uh, John Playford's English Dancing Master, which is uh, an English country dance books book. Singular, um, uh, originally published in I think 1651, um, and it's it's basically a book of, uh, of it's got 104 different dances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've each got a melody, and then instructions of how to do the dance that accompanies them. Um, and then what I did was um, I took the melodies and well, of of three tunes that I'd selected, um, and then 
sort of orchestrated them and harmonized them sort of based on my interpretation of the the choreography that was provided with it okay and so then use that use the dances as the structure and kind of all inspiration for um, developing it into a finished piece excellent right we'll have a listen to that now this is a Playford's Master Tunes by James Oldham
thought that was really good. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Anything? Any any well, constructive think, think criticism which might be useful? Or well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally. I, th- I think that's a great blend of a, of a couple of things because, it, like like how you were speaking before about um, what it's based on, what you've taken, and, and then what you've tried to do to it. And I think it all works really well. So it's it's quite easily accessible, understandable, and, pl- and pleasant to listen to at the same time. So I think that's I one of the main things, and it is pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Owen, do you want to add anything? I thought it was all right. Yeah, I, I think that one of the like one of the things that stood out for me is that like the trombone, like the the glisses. Yeah, um, it just seems quite a, a common thread for like um, new like composers to be like they've got like the a selection of instruments and uh, they kind of look at them and think what kind of things can they do, what kind of extended techniques or what you know devices or whatever they can use yeah. and try and exploit all of them like did when you selected the instruments for that ensemble well that I did, did you I think trombone because I'd like it to be like that or, well, or no I mean I, I didn't actually select the instruments for it it was because it, because th- this piece was um, uh, an opportunity that all, all fourth years and, and some postgrads uh, here um, got and it's to, to um, have a piece workshop with BCMG, and it was a it was a as a list that they provided. Okay. Um, with, with um, there was a couple of um, sort of uh, postgrad students from here playing in it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so I just I just looked at the the, the list, and it's quite an unusual ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, I just looked at the list and thought, you know, what what I can do with the instruments instead of, yeah, adding. It. I mean, usually, no. Usually, when I if I if I was to add something like a trombone, it would it would be kind of, I kind of I'd kind of think about like, the overall balance of the ensemble first, um, yeah. and kind of like you know, get getting all the kind of balance across, unless I wanted to be deliberately unbalanced or something like that. Um, but then and then it would only be sort of once I've sort of added it in, maybe in terms of balance and also perhaps the kind of the overall sort of color of it as well. Yeah. Um, and then then I'd think about what I can do with the instrument and kind of what I want the individual bits of sections to say as well like what, what what sort of sound I want yeah and so adding in something like you know excessive amounts of trombone glisses would mm. just be like part of the section of music or maybe the whole piece or something okay yeah and as material goes because you used like this guy's material in the six, um, 1650s or whatever it was yep. the, that composition that you brought is that Will you have any like reference to that, or is it just like this is what I've composed? Or will you have oh, to no, like? It, it, I mean, is it kind of like an arrangement? Yeah, I mean, the piece is called uh, Playford's Master Tunes, so it's got um, just, uh, you know tunes by John Playford. Yeah. So it's, it's I mean, it's, it's you know completely all about referencing him. Yeah. And um, and uh, I put I put on the on the score itself. I put you know my name in the composer slot there, and then on the other side. Tunes by John Playford. Okay. So I like, completely, you know, is more than happy to reference it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I kind of, I kind of almost see it as a sort of uh, collaboration, really. Yeah, yeah. This, um, where he he and because I wouldn't have been able to do it without without the tunes and the, um, and all the all the dance instructions as well. Um, but, yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. I think. I think. Um, yeah, I like to think of it as a collaboration. That's quite nice. I think not, <laughs> not that he had much to say on the subject. Not that he had much to say. Yeah, so it wasn't. It wasn't in that sense. 
Um, I think it's, it seems important he, that you've he put, it, he put it out there, so like that's him. That's him volunteering. <laughs> and, it, and it's important that you've kind of kept the style as well, because it is obvious yeah. throughout all three movements that there is this English country dance, yes. and you, you haven't lost that at all. Yeah. And that is kind of what keeps I love it. it. I love Englishness. There we go. <laughs> Very patriotic. Yes. <laughs> right. We'll move on now. Um, since we've been doing these podcasts, Owen has been quite a strongly opinionated on sort of contemporary music well it's the term contemporary music why isn't it just music mm. I suppose it, because the thing this implies is like music that's being yeah. written today so it's yeah. could be a piece just of because it's written today but that's how they classify everything that's how it's just the term contemporary that makes you like why isn't it just <laughs> it, goes, <laughs> it goes straight through people doesn't it, it like, do you know what I mean yeah, like yeah. you just think that but why 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 isn't it just a new thread of people composing well music? it is but I think I think why does it contemporary is just to kind of put it in a place like you've got romantic you've got classical you've got baroque I think I think, classic, I think it's just so if someone yeah. wrote a romantic symphony is that not contemporary because it's a new composition really? neo-romanticism probably wouldn't it? it it is it is contemporary yeah I mean there is there is obviously this thing of always wanting to sort of categorise everything it's for the, it's for the mus- musicologists it's music history teachers or mm. stuff like that isn't it and like and, and for you also for us to like learn in the, in the beginning like when you're doing like GCSE A-level music stuff like that it's it's really handy to have it all categorised yeah. like that, and then sort of um, have stuff that like have um, you learn about sort of various schools through the twentieth century as well, and then and then it's just like oh, and then now yeah. it's contemporary. It's almost kind of like they they haven't written about it yet, mm. I suppose. So they just say it's, it's it's new. It's like it would have been like contemporary music when like Mozart was writing. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So. Um, so yeah. what. It's different though, because it, when Mozart was writing, it's like that was kind of the pop music of the day, wasn't it? Yeah. Although, yeah. although, no, it, was, although it was new, it was kind of the main kind of thread. Whereas I think contemporary music nowadays is, is quite a, a unique. I think it's it's we understand that <laughs> in fifty years' time yeah. we look back and think, oh, you know, that's what just people were doing, so it wasn't that. Cool. Or whatever, yeah, or, or like it will just be stuff like Beyonce that people look back on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think, I think it's just, it's just weird for me. Like if yeah. if someone nowadays wrote like something on the scale of like a Mahler symphony, uh, and it might be similar but different in ways, but like it's still a new composition. Um, I mean that 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 is that is um, happening quite close to here actually. Um, the Jeff Hannon, uh, who's a composition teacher here, um, and a very good composer. He's uh, he had a, um, a commission um, quite a few years ago, and it's for a really big scale piece. It's for um, I think it's the CBSA Youth Orchestra and the Conservatoire Symphony Orchestra, They're, like combining to to play it. And I think it's got choirs as well, and so lots of added instruments, and it's it's pretty huge. It's just on a massive scale. And it's about uh, 40 minutes long or something right. so it's you know it's, I mean you do still get stuff just on this huge scale of like a traditional yeah um, you know, and is that contemporary well. s- still for 40 minutes like is it well is it is in the sense that it's been th- written now yeah. yeah and I think I think on its own on its own like a, a duration or sort of a yeah. instrumental f- force like is, is not is not kind of contemporary or not contemporary I think that's just that's just an option that's that's kind of that's kind of still there um and and, and until until people stop playing in orchestras that will always be something that can be written for 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth noting that all all of the orchestras in the UK, all the major orchestras, are constantly trying to commission things. I mean, it doesn't come up in you know the program you know every other week in the season, but a couple of times a season you will find something brand new being played or recently commissioned by somebody else being played again. But so they are still exploring avenues of new music. But then there's the argument of yes, they want to commission new works, but like if you put on like a big, well-known symphony. Surely people, more people are... They want people to come to see the concerts. So generally, more... You could, it's successful concerts, if, you know, well-known. So it's just hard, isn't it? For yeah. I think, I think we're steering us back into... I want, I want to hear from, like... I think, I think this is handy for composers and for us as well to discuss kind of what what it is about it's not we don't want to define contemporary music but we want to discuss kind of what it is about yeah. the music that obviously when you when when you look at the beginning of term and you and you realize you've been putting taline ensemble yeah it's why does your heart sink why does why do you kind of get that and why don't you enjoy it what is because n- n- now you've got you've got a composer in the room who could answer some of these questions or i think it's just because it's so it's so different from the everyday, isn't it? It's not, if you were doing that all the time, it would just, it would just be a. Did you nearly go because it's so hard though? Then, because it is yeah. hard and it is out of comfort zone. Not just for, for sometimes for listeners, but for us as performers, it's often, hard work. Yeah, often you get, often you get like you have no problem with your individual part as well, yeah. but then to play together, to yeah, get it all together yeah. as an like ensemble, s- like that's things that, that are like s- the same rhythm or whatever, but a semi quaver out in it. That kind of stuff really. I think what it is is um, there's not much satisfaction. As in, if you played it completely wrong, no one would know. And we are, and that's that's what's, that's why it's hard. You know, if you if you really concentrate and do it exactly right, no one will be able to tell the difference if you. So it's a lot of for you as the tuba player in some it's it's a lot of effort for very little reward exactly because but surely for your own integrity you'd want to play that part as well as you yeah, can but that, right. that's what I'm saying like obviously you want to play it right but it's the fact of knowing that for example in Taline last term I was on the wrong page accidentally and no one had a clue yeah. you know and it, I think that's so why that, it, that, that's a shame because People like to know when the tube is out. It should, <laughs> it should be really obvious when the tube is out. Well, that you know, I think that's I think that's why it, it's it's quite hard when when Taline comes up. It yes, it, it's challenging. It's different, but it's the fact that you know the the audience, most members of the audience wouldn't you know they don't really know do, what's going so on. Do you feel that like even, so you might have to put in a lot of time to kind of really get this part nailed and to to sort of really concentrate hard on. Yeah, exactly where you are. But then there's this. It's kind of like not rewarding to do that. It's, it's you might as well just sit there and just. I think if you put, you could put hours and hours of work in, and then if if someone else is not quite right, and it, and then. But if that happens, then for example, if that was one of James's pieces, that isn't James's music anymore. So you've no, not no. just performed his music, really, have you? No. So I think you've got to try and keep that in your head that that's and this is what it's all about. Is this is music that has to be played? That's what talent is for. Well, here comes an interesting point actually because. Um, you know, I I would say that um, if the with one of my pieces, if if someone if someone um, played a part in a completely different, say they completely messed up part, and but the overall piece 
came out like with the you know same original intentions yeah. I had. I would still say that's my music, but it's just not the exact note, the exact pitches and rhythms that I wrote yeah, on yeah. the page. Because I mean, um, <laughs> for me, and I think this is the same for a lot of composers. Kind of, you have these all really you know fixed ideas in your head, and you just want to go like bam on the page yeah, with them. Yeah. But then you've got to kind of translate it through all our like musical systems and stuff. And so, and then, so a lot of things kind of get, you know, not necessarily. Um, it's, not, it's not like oh, that that's that's not the piece I wanted to write, but it can be um, that it's it's not exactly how you kind of it isn't a direct translation from your head, kind of because you've got to develop it and stuff. But so then, so then the the final piece is like a version of that. Yeah. So then, if if people are playing like slightly out and stuff, and slightly, if someone even plays that completely wrong attempt at the part like it, not single note right it's still like a version of the piece yeah I think I think it's just for example if if my grand came to a, a concert this is a, this is a classic argument and if, if <laughs> we've used this about three times <laughs> if she like Owen's if, grand's if, been to a lot of concerts if I played like say a Bruckner symphony and I played all the more accidentals but, you know and it, it, that's going to be obvious mm. but if for example a lot of contemporary pieces if you play an A sharp instead of an A natural or whatever mm. you know she's not going to know and no, probably not 75% do you, 90% do you, but, but do you want do you, is, it, is it about your nan coming to the concert and seeing you just like play a technically perfect um, part in a piece or, or is it like you being there and like uh, the fact that you're playing in this orchestra ensemble and like you're put, you're put, you're completely going for it with the ensemble. You're like, yeah, and you, you're you're there making this sound with the ensemble, and like that, and you're sort of like part of it because it's not like your nan wouldn't be going along to see you playing a solo. She'd be going no. to see the ensemble, and no. you'd be part yeah, of it. So like, but I'm, I'm sure she'd prefer me. I'm sure she'd rather know that I was doing it right. Yeah, than kind of like going with the on. Yeah, but that's She's quite a personal trusted. thing and a vested interest in you, though, as well. I mean, everyone would always love to think that everybody's doing everything right all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there are things, I mean, I'm sure you can go and watch a massive Marlow symphony. I wouldn't know if the second clarinet was two beats early on something and things like that. You can relate this to massive complex orchestral works or down to... You could you could say my uh, the Bernard Brown, my trombone quartet, there can be mistakes that we make there that you might not know, that we didn't intend to make and we tried not to that it comes across that's the nature of music but it shouldn't mean that you don't try no, as hard as you can but I think what I'm saying is it's like a lot of contemporary music the, the rhythms are so complex the uh, the tonality or whatever is this quite even for example if someone's taken a re- rehearsal and someone's got a question saying oh I'm, I'm a semitone out with I've got exactly the same but I'm a semitone out people are like well is that right or because it they're not sure yeah. because I think, because I think there's no limits, is there? Yeah. There's no there's no rules. I, I think on that one personally, um, if, um, if 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 you know, if it, I think I didn't there should ever be a question on like um, where, whether something's supposed to like have say like a particular dissonance or something or a particular rhythm that's out. Because I think if the um, <laughs> if if the composer got it wrong, they actually made a mistake, then they deserve it to be played not yeah. how they wanted it to be <laughs> written. Because that's like I think that's you know that's 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 that's, that's our job. Okay. composers to get to get down on the page like you can't go you can't be like in a rehearsal and then be like oh no actually like can you yeah. play that all the semitone well, that, down that does happen quite what you've got. regularly yeah 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 but do you not think you've just completely categorised contemporary music in a really good light by just saying 
you just said there are no rules and there are no limits. Isn't that what writing music should be if people want it to be? Isn't that what makes contemporary music now so fantastic is there are no rules, there are no limits. So why, if, it, if it's so fantastic, why, but, you know, why, why isn't there just a, a massive boom for... Well, I wouldn't say that there, there isn't a massive boom. I wouldn't say it's, you know, there's, there's p- thousands of people flocking to, to different concerts around the world. But equally, there, there, I think there's a healthy interest. And, and groups like BCMG, Birmingham Contemporary Music Groups, would not exist if there weren't people wanting to hear these kind of things. And there are people, like I said, major orchestras are commissioning these works, and people go and watch them. It might not sell out 2,000 seats in Symphony Hall, but there will still be hundreds of people there to listen to it, and they will appreciate it in one way or form an opinion that they don't like it. But that's the point, the music is there to be judged. Okay. Right. Well said, Jay. That's <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is, for example, if some new composer wrote a work similar to a Mahler, a Bruckner, whatever, symphony, if someone wrote something like that and it was new, surely the, the audience that usually goes to these concerts would enjoy that more than yeah. something else. But, but it's... It's, sorry, did you want to... No, go on. Uh, but, I mean, with that, you... There, there's kind of... I mean, what, what, would, what would be the kind of the point of writing something like that? Because it will be in, it will be enjoyed, but there's also loads of stuff that isn't played regularly from that era that they, they could just dig up one of those and, you know, bring that out and say, oh, this doesn't... You probably haven't heard this before. Let's uh, let's play this. Yeah. And... and, and People are sort of none the wiser to someone that that so then someone now has saved a huge amount of time and effort by not writing that. I think and the point <laughs> is, if it's good, why not but, do but, some art? But, but, but what's good? That's an opinion, yeah. and I think what you've just you've just sort of walked into the fact is, what do you write music for? Then are composers writing music for audiences, yeah. for themselves, for is it programmatic music? Well, is it composers write music for people to listen to? Well, not necessarily. Some people don't just write things for people to listen to in mind because you just said if it's good, so that's. It's different people's opinion of what people like. Some people don't like Marlowe, some people don't like Bruckner. So it's, it's difficult to just say, I, I'm going to sit down today and I'm going to write something that's good that audiences are going to like. And, yeah, well, come and send, on. You right? know, no, but you understand what I'm trying to get at, Owen. But you people's favourites. But there's also, like, there's also there's so many other things you can get other than uh, out of it, other than just liking it or enjoying it. You know, there's, there's being challenged by it. There's um, you know, things that surprise you. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, um, is it? I've heard that in, someone wrote a piece in the composition department, and the guy said, um, "Yeah, it's a nice piece, but it's not hard enough for the musicians to play. So therefore, <laughs> therefore, brilliant. it's not good enough because it's not hard enough." Yeah. Is that? No. Is that something that you've come across? Yeah, yeah, no, I've definitely come across that. I mean, that's just. Um, Do you not think that? That's just ridiculous, though, because I, I, and the way I, the way I see it is that we've um, we've kind of over over the last sort of century, especially. Um, or you know, all the extremes, all the extremities have really been kind of reached. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, music's got as kind of minimal and as simple as it can get. It's got as complex mm. um, and as technical as it can get. Um, people have stretched extended techniques to the max, like uh, Helmut Lackenmann, just like bowing the bowing the wood of the instrument and stuff. Um, and uh, and then you know, people have um, people have people have shocked audiences probably as much as they legally can um, <laughs> sometimes not even that um, and, um, and and so like ev- everyone everyone writing now has kind of then got this kind of wealth of things that this kind of hu- yeah this kind of huge box 
yeah. of things that has just been like the boundaries have been stretched so far that like it's it, people aren't I mean most people aren't really trying to like push any boundaries now like um, music's gone you know also like as atonal as it can get and like microtonal mm. and um, so it's got it's, it's far away and people have written pieces that are just one note for the entire piece so you know it's kind of all of these uh, uh, all the extremes yeah. have been reached so now we've kind of got all these things to play with so yeah just saying oh it's not contemporary enough because it's not complex enough like it's not hard enough for the players yeah. or not enough in extended techniques stuff like that I mean that's just that's just ridiculous or like because music can be you know completely tonal com- like no extended techniques you know, no, maybe even no detail at all no dynamics or anything and, 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 and still be contemporary and still be original yeah. as well yeah so do you think that that shows that in music being written today, there is still quite some narrow-minded thinking towards even even the creation of it, rather than yeah. so not on the listening side of it, audiences listening to it, but on the the writing and the teaching of it. There's still some narrow-mindedness of yeah. how it should be done. Definitely, definitely. People people still think you know that I should be writing, um, or you should be writing uh, sort of atonal music, lots of standard techniques. Right. Ah, excellent. <laughs> so carry on. Is it? Um, and um, but I mean that's. All, all these things, you know, in, is in the uh, the twenties and thirties when music became as um, atonal as it could get. Right. Um, th- there's been a, a little disruption. Uh, Joe Cutler, head of composition, has just joined us in the room. Welcome. Um, Thank you. Almost seamless. Um, so it was. We, I was going to stop us after that. Anyway, um, we do need to move on. Um, we're running out of time. Um, Welcome, Joe. Thank Thanks for joining us. Um, just a, a quick sort of... We've just been discussing kind of the problems as as musicians that we're... Not problems, but issues that we have with contemporary music. But as the head of department, what what do you expect from your students? What do you... First of all, what do you expect them to have when they join? And by the time they've left after the four years, what do you expect them to have gained and what experience sort of... Well, I think when we come, when we look at um, students at interview, what we're looking for in their portfolios is not a sort of really fully formed portfolios, but a kind of sense of personality. I think that's first and foremost what we're looking for. So people that communicate something quite sort of maybe instinctively, but something that gives a sense of their personality through their work. Um, in terms of students that, that come here, also what we're looking for is people that... Um, that um, haven't necessarily. We don't want people that are ready, that are already fully formed, or, or think that they're fully formed when they come here, because they're coming on a journey where they're going to try lots of new things out. They're going to experience lots and lots of new types of music. They're going to be placed in all kinds of situations. Um, uh, so we're looking for people that will respond well to that, that are interested in doing that. So, uh, so we're kind of looking for people that have got who are open-minded, that are excited about trying things new, that want to use mu- music to try to communicate different things in different ways, that want to be part of that whole process of working with performers, working with um, collaborators as well. So, so it's a kind of mixture of things, um, I think. We're looking for people that are interested as well in what's happening around them, you know, so not just music that's been written the last you know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, but are also interested in now and how they can create something that's, that's sort of relevant to, to their place in the world now. Okay. Um, obviously you have a lot of students um, the type of music do you ever find that they are pushed towards type uh, obviously you want to allow someone to express their own styles of writing but is there 
are the boundaries which you have to keep these students in or are they really just free to kind of I think well, it's, a, it's a journey so people you know in a sense people kind of as as they work through the course probably the more radical their work becomes or not radical you know a lot of people don't write um, sort of incredibly radical work but you gradually see that so um, so in, um, by the fourth year you know there aren't necessarily any boundaries I mean what people have done have been you know all kinds of things from installations from um, a piano being filled with glue uh, and red paint, but if there's a reason for doing something, if it makes sense, if there's a real strong musical and artistic reason for doing something, then we encourage it. I mean, what we're not looking for is things for for, for show or for you know there has to be a kind of artistic reason and a, and people have and we want people to really think through their ideas. So as part of the course, you know. Part of that is to really think through what the work that you're making is. Why are you making it? Why, why are you working in the language that you are? And also to to sort of apply a kind of criticality to that, a self-criticality um, about how you can develop it, how you can take it further. Mm-hmm. So really, you're looking for substance in in work. So when you're when you're marking students, obviously put portfolios forward for marking. Which is, so you're looking for substance in their work. I think so. I mean, really, it's. We have our marking criteria that are actually very similar to performance. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine with performance that you've got these two strands, you've got um, technique and imagination, or imagination and technique, and presentation as well. Well, in a sense, those three areas all apply to composition as well. So technique is how you can realise your ideas. Do you have the mechanism to express what you want to say? You know, And in imagination, that's about are you finding interesting... Uh, um, have you got something you know individual interesting and, and um, to, to say in your work so so really it's quite it's quite similar I think that's, that's a really uh, great explanation really to think about it because as a performer I think I would never have thought of composition in exactly in the same terms as a performer but of course I should because mm. composition's music is, is performance it's, it's the same mm. thing but I don't think people often think of it in, the, in that in that same way yeah so I think that's really interesting. You mentioned the word radical um, yeah. about you know compositions. So does that mean the most wacky, the most radical piece that has these extended techniques, whatever? And if it's successful, if it's for a musical purpose, does that create a successful student? Does that mean that they're going to be, you know, um, get successful marks, do well? If it's the most radical kind well, of. Well, can I just put in and say that um, extended techniques? On their own, aren't radical. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. There's something that's you know people have been using, you know, extended techniques in pieces for years and years and years. And quite often we get people coming to work, write solo pieces, and they put in lots of extended techniques and so on, and they think that's being radical. But that's actually not finding radicals. You know, the, uh, we're not looking for people to write radical work, but we want people to surprise themselves on the journey that they go through through the course. Yeah. So I mean, using. An example, you know, we've got, um, uh, you know, Laura M. Vula, who's, you know, um, an ex-student here writing, writing, doing songwriting, who's just was nominated for a Brit. When you listen to the way that she uses her orchestration and where she uses it and creates her songs, she's applied something very subtly radical to a pop form. And I think that's kind of what we, we're trying to do with students, is to t- not take things for granted, but look how you can kind of personalise a form, a genre, whether it's, you know, writing pieces in a kind of using whether you're using constant, um, constant harmony whether you're using um, atonal harmony whether you're using 12 tone music how can you do it in a way that, that brings something of your own to it so so yeah. the work in a sense the, 
the least interesting thing is to write a solo piece which has just got a series of extended techniques for the sake of it. Joe and James have left us now. We only booked them for so long as they are both very busy. Busy composers, busy, works busy, busy. all over the place. Yeah. Um, it's time for a song now. They've got to be putting the glue in the pianos. <laughs> Hopefully not for this song. <laughs> yes. Um, this is one that... This is my favourite song that we've done. And it's, it's... This is actually... Well, this is our last podcast of the series, so this is just summing up all the nice things about the Conservatoire and what we like about it. Yeah. So... Got oh. a bit of a tune. Play the sing along. Bit of a tune. Yeah. Um, it's a brand new composition. Brand new composition. Yes. So contemporary. Here, contemporary. No, yeah. It's not. Contemporary. No, it will. It's it will. Just it is. It's been written now. It was written last week, so it's, it's contemporary. It's just a new music. piece of music. But contemporary is new, isn't it? Okay. So uh, if a new hang on. No, we're not going to go there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play the song. song play the song, Caleb. Play the song. I'm playing the song. Enjoy it. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. This is the Music Student Podcast. And we'd like to sing you a song. The last song. Worst of all, it's called an ABH. The strings 
out of tune. You're trying not to laugh at the low notes from the country bassoon. Us brass players can play our part. The conductors don't want to hurt you. For all of this, we must find rap classes with Dave Purcell. We love our conservatoire. Yeah, the last Lara Corner. I'm very upset, Kate. I can hear in your nose. <laughs> Terrible. What will we do He's without Lara Corner? Right, and I think this is a love to finish the series with. This is a love. It's a love story. Uh, Lara has found love at conservatoire. About time. About time. Yeah. Uh, a young, a young, young, young man. I think he's 16. Uh, I heard 15 actually. Oh, really? at least. So well, we've got to be careful of what we say on air. Yeah. Here. Alex Smith, a trumpet player from Junior Conservatoire. <laughs> um, they've been courting for a while. They have, haven't they? Um, there's been a few public appearances of affection. Not, ma- not many. Not, not many. Um, the, the, odd, the odd significant glance. They the, share, odd, the odd brush of the hand. Yeah. They share the odd cucumber. They catch each other's eye every now and again. Um, but the most important thing is Lara has found love. And we couldn't be happier for her, could we? That or are we all jealous? Of Alex or of Lara? I'm not really sure. Oh, no. Who knows? Um, 
Okay. Well, I wouldn't be jealous if I was loud because I wouldn't want to go out with a boy. There we go then. So you'd be jealous of Alex. But yeah. you, you've got you've, you you you're in. You've got a girlfriend anyway, so it doesn't matter, does it? No. Right. Um, that is that's that's the end of Lara Corner. Well, can there not be so, there can there yes. not be some story about their love story? The eyes met across the room. No. I don't think it's well. I don't Some, somewhere on the sticky floor of walkabout. Yeah. Probably, yeah, but, well... shouldn't have been in there, though, should he, if he's underage? Well, no, that's true, he shouldn't have been allowed in. We should probably move pop- on from this subject. A pop and crisps night. She picked right. him up from school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we are going to move on. That was the end of Laracon. It's all very emotional. Um, got a few up-and-coming concerts. Earlier I spoke to Joe Cutler about the Frontiers Plus Festival, which is going on at <laughs> Conservatoire now, um, from the 5th... So it started earlier this week, and it's going all the way to the 15th of March... Um, so here is that. Yeah, the Frontiers Plus Festival is our annual festival of new, new work, contemporary music. Um, it's it's a point during the year where a lot of the projects that students have been working on are, are presented. So the core to the festival really is the student work. But at the same time, we also invite guest composers to come and spend time here. So last year we had the German composer Heiner Goebbels here for um, for three days. Uh, before that, Louis Andreessen as well. So we so it's a mixture of concerts that feature student work. We have a guest, usually at least one guest composer here for the week. We also have you know, you know Dave Holland, the um, composer and bass, uh, jazz bass player, is here this week. So it's it's a it's a um, festival that's that's run through the composition department, music technology department, jazz department, and in a sense, it's a showcase for the whole year. And also, it brings in lots of guests many many performers in the conservatory are involved in it we try and take the work as well um, outside the conservatory time so for instance next week we're doing performances in a rock club under the conservatory subside um, we're also um, doing uh, projects she's not this year but last year we did a lot of projects at stan's cafe theater company so it's it's um it's a big showcase of work and it's a big sort of um it's a real excitement to the year, really. I mean, this year we've got our highlights includes well, we have an Decibel, who are a fantastic ensemble made up of former students and fantastic former students, alongside other very interesting musicians, which Ed Bennett, who is the director of the ensemble, has got to know. They're in residence; they've been our resident ensemble for the last four years. So they're doing a, working with students, performing their pieces. They're doing another concert which features music by staff and tutors working here at the Conservatoire. Um, so that's one of the highlights. We also have nine composers coming from um, various a- Asian countries, so Japan, um, China, Singapore, Malaysia. And um, so they're going to be here for a week. And the Conservatoire ensembles like Taline will be doing um, three concerts featuring their work. And each day we'll be having um, sessions where those composers introduce their work and composers from here talk about their work so it's a kind of exchange as well um, as I mentioned we've got Dave Holland we've got our Night of the Unexpected and uh, earlier ju- this week we had um, the American composer Alvin Curran here who's a very interesting composer who does huge pieces which are outside the concert hall so um, so we spent two, th- having two days with him so yeah, so it's a really lively end to the, to the Easter term So that was the Frontiers Plus Festival Go on Jay, sneeze it's alright, it's past, it's past. Oh, okay. um, Jay, is also, Jay is appearing 
on the 15th of March in an early music concert. From the very modern music to the very old music. On the 15th of March, uh, the Conservatory is doing its big early music project in St Albans in Birmingham, uh, which will feature some choral works and then a lot of works for sackbook, cornet, recorder, um, but quite large-scale sort of eight-piece and up um, works, and it should be really exciting. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of rehearsals going into it, and it'd be worth a listen. So that's on the 15th of March... Uh, in the evening, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Uh, so if anybody would like to come along, that would be it'd be great. And I think it's re- it's really uh, interesting for this podcast that we've gone from contemporary all the way to early music, and it, I think it rounds off as a music student how we completely cover. Well said. All the way through. Well so said, what a man. wonderful way. And all that's left now, this might be the last time you hear from us three, because we're going to all die. Well, that's a bit. Well, just because of the colds that I'm spreading around everywhere. This might be the... We might we might do one after recitals, but certainly until recitals, this is going to be it. So I thought you were going to report live from my recital, you know, the action as, no, as it happens. Uh, we don't do comedy podcasts anymore. Ah, shame. Um, so all, all that's left to say is thank you to everyone that's listened. Uh, it's been a pleasure hosting this for you. Uh, thank you, Jay and Owen, and all our guests. Um, here we go. Stuart Baglin, Katie Wakeford-Brown... Joe Cutler, James Oldham, oh, Josh Large, Joe Starbuck, Kayleigh Bing. Well, that was last term, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, ben Kennedy was 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 big in it. Lots lots of people have been involved. If I've missed you out, I do apologise. Uh, I was a guest as well. I was promoted from well, guest yeah, to uh, to host, oh, and I'm still owed, I'm still owed a mint Bailey's, and I won't forget. No, well, right. So for the very last time, say goodbye, Owen. Take care, everyone. Jungle out there. <laughs> <laughs> For the very last time, what say goodbye. Let, let, let Jay say goodbye. Oh, For he's the, always got a mouth. For the very last he's time, always, Jay Hall, say goodbye. Goodbye. And for the very last time, it's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening.